right, join me now. He's a senior NFL reporter for ESPN, does an amazing job year-round. It is the great Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, I see you at ESPN right now. Thanks for making some time during your busy schedule. Of course, Ari. I appreciate it. I had to do a light flex here uh, with the New York background on the water. This is not my house. <laughs> it's beautiful there. I was there once when I came over. And um, it's a gorgeous place over there. So, yeah, um, we're seven weeks away from the season starting, which is, I mean, it, it's really getting closer. Training camps are opening up um, slowly but surely around the NFL. And you've been, do- you've been doing something very interesting every year for the last few years. And it's one of my favorite reads every summer. You survey over 50 league executives, coaches and scouts to get the top 10 players at each position and it's not just rankings and that's it like you have the reasoning you put quotes in there you have good nuggets some really good information as well explains everything all of it is on espn.com people should really check it out i want to hit on some of the results and get into how the league yeah. thinks about certain players i don't think we'll be able to get to all the positions but let's start at the quarterback yeah. position and we'll move down the line let me start off at the top you have aaron Rodgers and patrick mahomes they're number one and two respectively yeah. I've been asking this question to some people. And I want to see how the league thinks. Were there any concerns going into this year for Aaron without Devontae and Patrick without Tyreek Hill? Or is it those two guys are the best? Does it make a difference for them? Certainly, I think there's some concern. And supporting cast is part of the criteria, right? Because that's how you uh, set up a quarterback for success. But I think for the most part, because their body of work is so large and they've been such impressive playmakers that people are willing to bet on them as sort of singular talents, meaning, you know, they're sort of scheme transcendent and put them in any offense. And, you know, that's a guy you can say, go win the ball with your arm, you know, and, and really there are only a few like that uh, in the world. And so, uh, yeah, they kind of, they, they certainly help their cases that way where, you know, like a guy like Joe Burrow who ranked really highly number five, yeah. uh, you still kind of have to acknowledge, well, young player, he's got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, like that certainly helps a young quarterback. He might need that where these guys like they can really make just about anything work. Now, are they better with Tyreek and Devontae? Certainly, but um, they stand on their own. So, you know, it obviously makes a lot of sense. Those two guys are former NFL MVPs, Rodgers back to back. But when you're looking at your list, you mentioned Joe Burrow as a number five, um, Dak Prescott's a number 10, Russell Wilson makes the top 10. There is a former MVP in there who did not make the top 10, and this caused major stir all over the place, and that is Lamar Jackson. More than half the voters you polled did not have him in the top 10. My thinking was because Lamar's style might not be for everyone, but you can't deny the talent. What happened over there that he does not make the list? Yeah, I knew it was going to create waves when I saw the votes coming in. He just wasn't getting enough of them, you know. Um, He was off a lot of top 10 ballots um you know there's there are a couple levels here but one of them is that some evaluators a lot of evaluators think that he lacks poise in the pocket uh, I, I think that's the best way i can say it uh, you saw that late in the year with the blitz uh with teams like miami cincinnati blitzing him he had some trouble um and yeah you know, nobody de- denies that he's a dynamic playmaker and he's a very very high level quarterback whose record speaks for itself 37 and 12 as a starter MVP. I think a lot of these people value pocket presence over just about anything else uh, with the quarterback position, just because they're thinking long-term or a few, you know, like long-term, that's what's going to get you over the top and win you a Super Bowl. you know, where um, other styles might come and go, or you might have success with it for three years, five years, even eight years, but over time it catches up to you. So that's how they look at it. 
as far as like picking a quarterback to build a team around. You know, Kyler Murray is another one who didn't make the top 10 and he has a bit of a similar style where he's, he, he yeah. runs around, moves around. When you ask people around the league about Kyler and Lamar, both these guys are um, eligible to get a new deal. Do you feel like front offices are okay going to that 40 plus million dollars a year with hefty guarantees for those guys? Um, I think it, it would depend on the team. Some certainly would, you know, cause there are enough people who look at a guy like Lamar Jackson as a high level top seven quarterback. Uh, and really the last two years, he ranked highly in the top 10, uh, but you had the emergence of Burrow and Justin Herbert and Sean Watson. We did put in the rankings this year because he should play at some point. So that, that knocked those guys back a little bit. Uh, Kyler was 10 last year. So, you know, really the, the voting was, was 13 guys, you know, and Kyler was 13. Um, Kirk Cousins got one vote, but that was it. So it's, it's a clear, uh, it's a clear line there as far as the pantheon of quarterbacks. There's the 13 and there's the rest. That's just how it is. So if you have one of the 13, you need to pay them. Right. Um, but I do think the holdup with teams like Baltimore and, and, uh, to a lesser extent, Arizona is, you know, are you comfortable getting to a number commensurate with their skill set and ability? Um, that number is insanely high, you know, so teams have a, a hard time coming to grips with that, but eventually they'll probably come around to the fact that they have to pay it. Yep. And Kyler and Lamar are two guys who everyone is watching here. If they do get new deals in the coming weeks before training camp, I want to shift over to the running backs. Derrick Henry is back in number one, second straight year for him on this list, followed by Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb. Um, Saquon Barkley ends up outside the top 10. This is somebody who was number one a couple years ago on this yeah. list. Obviously, injuries have played a major factor, but some of the quotes in that article are a bit rough on him. Is there still a belief yeah. that Saquon could be the guy like he once showed he could be as number two overall pick? Well, it's funny. Yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it largely depends on how he comes back from those injuries because people still believe in the ability and the talent. Um, there's, if you're making an excuse for him, it's that coming off that injury, maybe he was hesitant. And so he, he wasn't really willing to get in there and get those tough yards, but he got the number one position two years ago because teams are enamored with the big play threat. You know, they want to be able to have a guy who can break at 80 yards at any time. And that was him coming out of college and to a lesser extent early in his career. And, uh, when he lost that, then it's like, well, what else are you getting? You're not really getting a complete back. Uh, where other guys like a Javante Williams, a young guy, or Najee Harris, they're doing more for you at a younger age. So um, that's really the, the turning point. Uh, if, if he can get back some of his explosiveness, then there's no reason why he can't make it back in the top 10. You know, you see Christian McCaffrey, who's somewhat of a similar high-level talent, at least high pick. He's still in there despite his injuries. Yeah, but one of the complaints in the Saquon Barkley piece was that he's always looking for the big play run instead of just taking what is there for him. Um, you know, you mentioned the rookies who are in there. Actually, two two rookie running backs made it with Javante Williams and um, um, Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. I just want to ask you a general question about running backs because there, there's a lot of praise going on for the top 10 guys in the piece. But front offices, yeah. when it comes to paying the running back position, top end money. Where do you see, how is their thinking, I guess, when it comes to that? Well, the thinking is they don't want to do it. I mean, it's, it's a position that just hasn't uh, risen to the level of others. You know, tight ends really the only other comparable position right now. It's kind of stuck at that $15 million range 
um, with George Kittle. Now, TJ Hawkinson sort of the next guy I have earmarked to, to get a bigger payday, and I think he'll surpass that. Uh, but the running backs, there's no clear-cut strategy to get them there. Like, you know, I've, I've talked to prominent sports agents that have all but stopped recruiting running backs, you know, because it's just a hard position to get a second contract on. Um, it's good for guys like James Conner, uh, you know, a few others in, in free agency that did pretty well, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Did pretty well, all things considered, I think. And so um, Jonathan Taylor is the big one that everybody sort of has earmarked. You know, he has another year like he did in year two. Uh, he's going to be hard to ignore because uh, he's going to be one year away from free agency. Those those day two picks can get paid a year earlier than the first round picks. And the Colts have a, a standard for paying their own players. You know, they, they yeah. believe in the homegrown formula. So that that's one. Uh, if anything is going to resuscitate that market, it's Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but he becomes eligible for an extension next year at this time. And as I said, he came in number two on this list. Let me go to a position that their market exploded this offseason. That is the wide receiver position. I feel like it might have been the most difficult one to do because everyone throws around top 10 for a bunch of guys. Yeah. But when actually sitting down and putting together a top 10, it's pretty hard. Um, yeah. Let me go over to number nine. You have Devo Samuel coming in there at number nine. I was curious to ask you, how does the league view him? Because he was used in such a unique way last year and it worked so well for Kyle Shanahan. But are people yeah. in the league looking at him as a true number one wide receiver? Not really. That's not such a bad thing. They just look at him as a weapon. I, I think if there was a hybrid category I could have done, I would have done it and he would have been number one. Uh, there right. just aren't enough guys like that at his level. And so that's the rub is if, if you're somebody who prefers a true route runner, like a Keenan Allen or a Stephon Diggs, or, Hey, I'm going to beat you one-on-one -on -one with this route tree. You know, uh, you're, you're not going to be high on Debo necessarily, but nobody voting uh, denied that if, if you're talking about generators of points and offense, there's not many better. And so that's why he deserved a place, but kind of limped into the top 10. Um, he just, he didn't get a lot of votes, but it was enough to justify the year that he had. Right. Uh, and I think that's kind of what had to happen. But, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I talked to one scout who said, like, he can run routes. It's just that all his life he was asked to just take the ball and run with it or let's get him the ball and go, you know, because he's so good with it. Um, and it, maybe that worked out to his detriment a little bit as far as a, a refined, you know, nuanced route runner. But that's not really his fault. He's just a great player with the ball. So they get it to him. Kind of like Tyreek a little bit, who's come a long right. way as a route runner, by the way. Like, he, you know. Yeah, he's now an elite guy in that area. Um, maybe wasn't that when he first came in. So, you know, that, that's sort of the difference. Yep. And Tyree came in at number four. While we're talking about Debo, the drama that was there earlier this offseason appears to have calmed down. Are we expecting something to eventually get done there in San Francisco? So I can say that the 49ers are you're putting forth good efforts, right? Like GM yeah. John Lynch has been engaged in this which is a good sign. You know, it's not like the, the sides aren't talking or there's some massive stalemate. Um, I would be surprised if he took the practice field without a new deal come training camp. He might report, who knows? He might not, but if he reports, I would be surprised if he doesn't hold in, you know, go and just show up and say, I can't take the field. Um, and that would even create a little more urgency to get done. The 49ers want to do it. And, uh, you know, that's the stage would be set for him to do so. Um, I, I would expect him to get done before DK Metcalf. We'll see. 
but both those guys, I, I do think something will be worked out. I don't necessarily think it will get ugly uh, at right. this point. My sense after asking around is, um, you know, Debo's at a point where, and I, I certainly can't speak for him, but like Sam Fran knows how to use him better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I do think they'll end up paying him with that acknowledgement, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think the player recognizes that too. Yep. And Debo and DK came in nine and 10. Debo and DK also have the same agent. Both of them are looking for big money extensions. Going back to the, receiver, the receivers list here, there are so many great young receivers, like I mentioned, in this league. Jamar Chase came in at number three. Justin Jefferson came in at number four. Are there any receivers who didn't crack the top 10? but got a lot of praise and you could see them cracking the top 10 come this time next year. Well, Keenan Allen was the obvious omission, but he's a little different because he's now in his thirties and, yeah. and is considered an aging player. He's still great. Um, but that one was surprising. You know, uh, I basically had a tiebreaker between him and DK Metcalf and uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but who is, um, who is right behind him? Do you, do you have it? Um, Terry, Mc, Terry McLaurin will make a yeah. push. I mean, he's really good. Deontay um, Johnson is on there. No, I'm sorry. I don't have it in front of me, but there's a, an honorable mention there that I think will be Deontay oh, well, Johnson. AJ, AJ Brown, AJ okay. Brown. I mean, he's all, oh, he was on there last year. He didn't quite make it, but he's really, really good. So like AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin. Oh, uh, see, uh, CD lamb. That's there. one. I think I, the, the votes that he did get, like the people who voted for him were saying like, he's going to be that guy by the end of the year that you're saying, okay, I get it now. You know, like, they said he maybe underachieves a little bit as far as like, is he engaged every snap to go, you know, get it done and be that sort of 10 to 12 catch a game guy. But like the ability is clearly there. Um, and when, and the feeling is when he turns it on, he really turns it on. Yep. And a big opportunity there this year. Now that Amari Cooper is in Cleveland, let me flip over to the defensive side and look at the corners because Jalen Ramsey is back at number one for the second straight year. You mentioned C.D. Lamb. In Dallas, they also have Trevon Diggs, same draft class. He comes in at number 10 after an 11 yep. interception season. But you wrote yep. that he was the toughest evaluation of that group. Why was that? Because he was kind of labeled a clear boomer bust player. Like, he's great with the interceptions. We all saw the numbers last year. Uh, but what he gave up is significant, you know, um, depending on the metrics. Uh, I've seen a few out there. I know, I know PFF has theirs and like, we have some in-house stuff yeah. as far as like what you did as the nearest defender. Uh, and, you know, he gave up a good bit. I don't know if the yeah. exact numbers on me. Um, it, I think the feeling was like he takes chances that are unnecessary and then you're sort of, you know, potentially losing the game as a result um, where, I, you know, it, and it's tough. This is what's tough with what I do with this project is you want to get coaches involved coaches are different than like personnel guys or scouts, you know, because coaches see like, Hey, I want somebody who's going to be steady and not get, not cost us the game and get us beat. Right. Where a personnel guy might say, well, look, he's so his ball skills. I want ball skills. He's so great at that. That's all I want, you know? So you get different perspectives. So, um, you know, the fact that Tredavious White's not on the list is like criminal, right? I mean, he's so good, but I think the the injury hurt him a little bit in the voting, even though he should be fine this year. Uh, And so it was just two very different players. One's like a technician who's never going to cost you the game. One's going to win you and cost you the game. So, uh, and that, that's hyperbole, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's yeah. boomer bust was, was sort of the phrase that we, was used a few times uh, in the voting. 
Yep, and it's true because like the interception numbers are there when looking deeper into it. The exact quote in the article was, I love his instincts, but the cost is giving up a bunch of big plays. Yeah. Um, I don't love the interceptions if that is the case. Um, I want to shift over quickly to safety to the last few minutes that we have here. Jesse Bates came in at number six, and this guy is ultra talented, and he's just as important as a leader and in that locker room in Cincinnati. Why do they not pay him here with the franchise tag deadline now passed? And is the holdout element also legit over there? Well, yes. The holdout element is is legitimate because he can't be fined because he hasn't signed his tag. So I think he's going to milk this out a little bit, at least miss some camp time. That's my expectation. I know the Bengals loosely expect that. Um, there's no word for sure, but I, I would be surprised if he showed up day one, ready to go. You know, uh, yeah. the time to do it was last year when the market was more manageable. You know, the market was at the top 15 million for safeties. Now it's 18 plus. So it just becomes harder to do. And when you wait a year, then the player's less eager to just take what you're offering before. So it's just, it's, it's a confluence of bad timing, and a team that is pretty conservative with their guarantees. Certain teams like that, Steelers to an extent, the Bengals, the Packers, like they'll pay you a high number, but the guarantees are going to be pretty low. Uh, And so I think the the player, I'm guessing, had a problem with that. And uh, we'll see. You know, it's I I, I know there's some buzz out there right now about trade destinations or trade partners, but I I don't necessarily think so. I I would be surprised because the time to do that was before and i think that talking to people involved i think the player would be fairly surprised too just because like the Bengals hadn't showed a willingness to trade them and the, the tag deadline is up so if you trade for him you're inheriting the one year on the tag and then he has like crazy leverage next year on you you know and you gave up a first or second round pick for him so i, I just i'd be hard pressed to see a team doing that yeah it also just feel odd for the Bengals to do that after the year they just had right. with that team losing the defensive leader, somebody, a lot of those players have come out and vocalized about how important he is for that locker room, including Joe Burrow. The last one I want to hit on here is the edge rushers. And um, we have, you have Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, one and two, TJ's one, Miles is two. Nick and Joey Bosa come in at three and four. You left a note at the very end of Nick Bosa's rankings, which I think was interesting, that he could be looking to join Aaron Donald in the $30 million a year club. Do you think that's something we might see there? Because I'm sure he is pushing for it, but do you think we actually end up seeing that possibly coming to fruition? Yes. He's just a guy you have to pay. Like, he's really, really good. Like, in in the voting, he was a clear number three. Like, it wasn't close. He had Watt and Garrett in their own class. Nick Bosa in his own class, well above his brother. Now, this is an unscientific process, right? But I, I thought that was telling. Yeah. Um, and he was he was high two years ago as a rookie, or coming up his rookie year. So he's just that kind of guy you pay, right? Like, the, the, for it's more about the mathematics of San Francisco situation that could hold it up because they got Garoppolo on their books for. Um, and. It, we don't know when he's going to be cleared exactly on the shoulder surgery, although things are going well. And you would have to, with a trade partner, find a new deal because they're not going to pay him $24 million next year. And the list of suitors is small. So there's no slam dunk that he gets traded here tomorrow, right? Uh, and then you got to handle Debo too. You got to deal with his contract. So there's some moving parts that could hold it up. But I, it's, you know, out of those three players, I mean, he's probably the guy you prioritize. 
because you just don't get guys like that very often. And the, the money's only going to go up. He's got two years left in his rookie deal, so that helps you spread it out a little bit. Yeah, and a lot of business is going to be going down there in San Francisco, really around the league here in the coming weeks as training camp opens. You mentioned Debo, you mentioned Nick Bosa, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Another thing that we are all waiting on. All right, Jeremy, I want to thank you for coming on. Everyone can go and check out the full rankings with detailed explanations on ESPN.com or go to Jeremy's Twitter account, ESPN, and you can find all the links over there. Jeremy, this was great. Best of luck as training camps open up, open up around the league. I'm sure you'll be going around to some camps and um, hopefully we can do this again down the line here in the future. Yeah. All right, my guy. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.